Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast with me, Daniel, and with Brother Thomas Therese, a Dominican friar. Nice to be back again for another episode. To be back with you. <laughs> I think it's been three weeks. <laughs> three weeks for me and two weeks for mm-hmm. you. We had a, a week off last week. I think things were just pretty manic for both of us, but we're back for another episode. Welcome back, Brother Thomas. Thank you very much. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Dan? We're talking about pilgrimages. So I thought it'd be quite interesting to talk about this. We, you see pilgrimage quite often advertised to different places like Lourdes and to Jerusalem. And of course, at this time, it's mm. a little bit more difficult to do a pilgrimage, but you often see it advertised. And I was reading through the Bible and saw you know, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, that sort of thing. So I thought, well, let's talk about pilgrimage. And mm. It's also how we met, of course, uh, how they met in Lourdes is... I think we probably mentioned, mentioned in almost every episode. Uh, <laughs> where are the places that you've been on pilgrimage? I've been to I've been to Lords and I've been to uh, I've been to the Holy Land. So I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to Capernaum. I've been to uh, Bethlehem, uh, Cana. That's a good question. I've been to I've been to Lords uh, a few times, obviously. Mm, I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't been to Walsingham. Have you been to Walsingham? No, I've never been to Walsingham. Oh, interesting. Oh, good. No. I mean, we were saying before we went online, before we went on air, I was saying that to, to you, brother Thomas. Well, you know, maybe you could do a local pilgrimage because that's what I used to do: is just go out for a day for a local pilgrimage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you, you were laughing. I was like, oh, the how idea. dull. It was <laughs> You know, I did. You know where I have been, sort of locally. Um, here in Oxford, we're not too far from Littlemore, uh, so where John Henry Newman had his uh, college. Um, so before he became a saint, when he's still blessed, John Henry Newman, I went to Littlemore uh, as a pilgrimage with the students, um, and I took uh, some American Dominican novices from the Western Province of the United States. Um, and then after he became a saint, I mean, it's only about an hour's walk or so, and it's right along the canal. So it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful journey, such a beautiful walk. Um, and so I, you know, I, I suppose, I mean, I live within an Oratorian parish. Um, and I mean, as much as a five minute walk down the road can be called a pilgrimage, I suppose <laughs> I've been there deliberately, uh, to go and pray before, um, a statue of St. Teresa of Lisieux that they have um so i suppose to some extent you know but i mean when i think of a pilgrimage i think of going to lords or going to like a big shrine or something but there's no reason why why it has to be a, a big a big uh national shrine or or anything like that you can go and pilgrimage to a local church if you want i mean yeah i i remember going on a, another pilgrimage i just remembered i went to mm-hmm. horsham if you know Horsham, it's uh, near to a small place mm-hmm. called Grinstead, West Grinstead and East Grinstead. But I remember going there for just for a weekend on my own. I thought it'd be really nice to go and see the the Shrine of Our Lady mm-hmm. of Consolation, if anyone knows about that. It's in West Sussex. It's supposed to be a really beautiful church. Well, I went there by train and I, I spent the whole weekend trying to get to we think West Greenstead but I couldn't there was no train there there was no bus there from where I was staying I got lost on the streets maybe the Lord <laughs> was, was telling you to walk hilarious. <laughs> I, well, I was trying to walk there yeah I was trying to walk there but it was pouring with rain and I, I just couldn't find it so in the end I didn't I didn't get there but it was it was really nice because I found a really old church which 
is about 700 years old and they a tiny little church and they had these old frescoes that they had uncovered so that was in the end that was a little pilgrimage was finding this little jewel mm. of a church mm. but yeah, i just thought it was hilarious you know you're you're trying to walk there you're trying to get a bus there try to get a taxi there the the quote for the tax was like 100 pounds oh i was like well, i'm not doing that well you've un- you've <laughs> uncovered actually something that's quite important for the idea of pilgrimage and that's god's providence right so, I mean, all of these things mm-hmm. are under God's providence and very often on a pilgrimage, what really comes to the fore and what those sort of moments of encounter which really change your life very often are the things that happen by chance. They're the things that you haven't planned. So on a pilgrimage, generally speaking, you'll have mass and uh, you might have um, devotions like adoration and uh, benediction uh, you might celebrate the sacrament of confession. Uh, you might pray the rosary and do stations of the cross or something. Um, but I mean, so often the things that really um, stick out for you or show you God's providence, God's overarching creative wisdom and creative love, I think are those things which you haven't planned. It's the people who you meet on the journey. It's the people who you happen to share a room with. <laughs> um, so, like for example, like sharing a room with you, I definitely say has revealed something to me of God's providence, especially over time. Um, I think we've both helped each other to deepen our faith and things, and I think it was definitely a providential encounter that led to those things. And I'd say the same for a lot of the relationships that that have that have developed over. Um, over the various pilgrimages that I've been on, whether it be with the Diocese of Shrewsbury or Lords, or just the pilgrimage that me, you and Amelia have uh, be, been on, or me, you and Maisie, when we, we've been around the shrines in France and things. Well, that's true as well, yeah. That's that's actually a really good point. I wasn't really counting that, but yeah, we've we've been on pilgrimages ourselves. Like we, When I think of Lords pilgrimage, it's obviously planned by a group of people, and by we just diocese, go along. usually. Yeah, by the diocese. But when, when you think of pilgrimages like Compostela, so Compostela is in, uh, well, is in Spain. It's the way of St. James, and lots of people over the centuries have been on this walk and pilgrimage to the, the church of St. James, where his, is it where his relics are, Brother Thomas? Yeah, I think it's where his body is. Yeah, so the, the with that pilgrimage, you, you very much rely on Providence. You're walking at your own pace. You find your own accommodation, your own food, that sort of thing. But with the pilgrimages to Lords and probably with the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, you would be uh, well. You would have everything planned. It's like for a package, you. isn't it? You know. Yeah. You sort of pay. But with our pilgrimage yeah. that we had, sorry, with our pilgrimage that we had to to France, we were going to all these different places, uh, but we had to plan that ourselves. So we. We spent time planning where we would stay, where we where we would eat, relying on the cooking skills of, of Amelia. Of Amelia that we've mentioned <laughs> a few times with her her pasta dishes, you know, not not knowing exactly not knowing exactly where we would stay. I mean, I remember traveling and not knowing where we would stay that night. Like we hadn't actually found a, a campsite for that night, so having to travel 
So all these, I, I can see you laughing there. In the, no, in it's the just video. I know what Amelia is going to say when she hears you saying Amelia's pasta dishes. She's that, actually really good, though. She's actually yeah. an amazing cook. But didn't but, you have I this mean, thing a, a little while ago where you kept saying Amelia can only cook pasta? And then oh, she, I thought it would be she quite got really too, upset about it. Well, she didn't get really upset about it. Like She got upset in a sort of jokey way. Um, I just thought that's hilarious. When she hears you talking about her pasta, she... <laughs> I think it's just because uh, like for for the first few days of that of that pilgrimage or that journey, she was cooking pasta, and then it, I think that that became a bit of a joke. It's like, well, what should we have? It became yeah. a thing. Oh, just pasta, and then it'd be like, Tom, do you want to cook? No, Tom doesn't want to cook. So, oh, okay, Dan might cook something. Hmm, what should we cook? Pasta. I don't ever <laughs> ever remember being asked to cook. <laughs> yeah, maybe it, maybe that was intentional. <laughs> oh, but there, there is, yeah, there is a sense of like relying on God's providence and and on His blessing, and even in like those the, the more difficult times of that journey, I think mm. that's where you you see grace and blessings. I remember yeah. one another pilgrimage that we went on. Uh, that I, I went with a group of people to Turkey to go and see the old ancient churches. I mean that I've the, <laughs> I completely forgot about that pilgrimage, but. Yeah, that was some pilgrimage because it was, you could almost see like the the hardness that would have been experienced centuries ago by going on mm. pilgrimage because it was, you know, it's a dry, arid land. It's really hot. Yeah. You're not exactly welcome as, um, yeah, in some parts as a, as a Christian. Like, for example, you can't celebrate mass publicly um, or you can't mm-hmm. um, pray publicly. Um, you can read from the Old Testament. You can read from historical documents. So sometimes the Bible is counted as, as a, a historical document, but you can't have a form of worship unless it was mm. agreed. So that I mean, there are churches there in Turkey, like in Istanbul. There are there are some beautiful Catholic churches, but um, yeah. there's a bit of difficulty, which sort of hints at mm. how I imagine uh, some of the pilgrims would have experienced difficulties at certain times. Well, I. I think you're right. You know, I think a big part of um, a, a pilgrimage would be, I mean, there's a redemptive aspect, but there is also a penitential aspect, right? There is also a sense in which you will experience some sort of hardship. And a lot of the times in, in modern pilgrimages now, we've sort of taken that dimension away. Like, as you say, when you go when you go to Lords with the Dices, for example, it's, it's almost like a package holiday. I mean, it's not a holiday. Well, 26 hours on a curve. Well, <laughs> well, that's for us, right? But some people fly, um, although usually the people who fly very often are sick. But they'll stay in, a, you know, a nice hotel. They'll have a sort of series of events sort of put on for them. They'll go to the cafes and things when they're over there. And yes, it's a sort of, there are religious dimensions to it, but there are also those dimensions of a holiday. And not always a very penitential aspect, although if they go in the baths in Lords. They'll be getting into this like freezing cold bath of water, so that is certainly penitential. But it used to be that people on pilgrimage would um, not be shodden. Basically, it means that they wouldn't wear sandals or shoes, and they could walk barefoot. Um, I mean, not all, not not all, all the time, of course. But there was also pilgrimage could be a penance which was imposed on you by a court. So if you were tried by a an ecclesiastical court, for example, for committing a particular crime, you could be given um, as a penance, as as uh, as a punishment to some extent, the obligation to go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, for example. 
or to one of the great shrines. There's a notable exception to to this, which is the way of St. James uh, doing this, the, the Camino um, of Santiago de Compostela. Um, and that that journey is still very penitential in many ways, no matter how well you prepare for it. One of my friends, uh, Emma, uh, went on the uh, went on the Camino and she said, you know, no matter how much you prepare for it, uh, you know, you'll take this massive bag with you. And by the end of day two, you've got rid of almost everything from your bag because it's just too heavy. It's impractical. You're not making any progress. You're going up giant mountains. And she said, the thing that matters most to you is your walking stick. <laughs> uh, she says you get blisters absolutely everywhere. You sleep in beds, which have very often got lice. And um, so much of it's about the relationships you make on that journey, right? A journey which is very often... Uh, I mean, the, the the way of St. James is is still very much yeah. on foot, uh, by and large. I mean, there are some pilgrims who will who will fly and just walk the last, you know, the last day's journey or something. But still, it's still a, a, a walk, isn't it? It's still it's still a part of it. Do you know that's that's funny that you mentioned your friend there and her experience. Everyone that's ever described to me this this uh, way of Compostela, this way of St. James has described yeah. it in those same ways like you, you go really yeah. prepared but then you're just not prepared for certain things like you're not mm -hmm. prepared for the weather or you're not prepared for the the terrain or your shoes get you know blisters wild animals my friend my friend sort of she said you you start walking at like five o'clock because you know by by 11 o'clock she says it's too hot to walk so you walk basically in the very early hours of the morning and then you spend the rest of the day sort of eating singing um you know with meeting people and things like that just trying to rest um from from your journey up the mountains and things um but she said she got to this place once at about six in the morning and she thought oh great i'm here really early and she said all these like wild dogs appeared from nowhere <laughs> and she had to beat them away with her stick because they were attacking her um you know <laughs> remarkable really god we're, we're really selling pilgrimage to people aren't we <laughs> oh honestly though it's wonderful it'll change your life hey, do you know you what's know? really funny brothers obviously mentioned about singing but in my reading uh, the the singing and the entertainment would have actually been a part of these old pilgrimages because yes. that's how they would have earned a meal that's how they that's how they would have earned a bit of money to and stay how they somewhere. keep pace as well right how they keep pace so the when people would go on pilgrimage to the shrine of saint thomas uh saint thomas beckett or saint thomas of canterbury they would sing things that sort of go in a certain certain rhythm to keep a pace dum da da dum da dum dum da da dum da dum and they'd have different people singing different parts so there's a there's a uh, a song that I suppose not many people know called Ale Salate Cum Luya, which is like sing sing uh, the praises of the Lord um, is what it's and it's Ale Salate Cum Luya and then you, you have other people singing different parts and you have this bass line bum ba da dum ba dum bum 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 ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum and it's this um it's a way, it's almost like a march, a, a marching sort of tune and things. Um, and if people went on, on pilgrimage to the Shrine of St. Thomas on, on horseback, the last mile, the horse would be made to canter. 
And this is where that term canter comes from. If you've ever, if you're ever involved in horses or equestrianism or anything like that, you'll have heard this term before canter. And it's a particular way in which the horse walks. And it, it's not, uh, it's not a gallop. It's not just a straightforward walk. It's a sort of stunted, sort of stilted way of walking, um, which is a bit more solemn. And that would happen for the last mile or so of the of the journey uh, into Canterbury. So talking about pilgrimages, I suppose it would be good to talk about the purpose or where they originated from. So that is to say that, that it's not just something which is invented a few hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back to to Judaism. Mm-hmm. So we see throughout the Old Testament, God instituting pilgrimages and feasts and festivals that all the people are to come up to Jerusalem at different points in the year in order to celebrate and, and in order really to come back to the providence of God. So you see throughout the year, these feasts celebrated that call the people back to see that their reliance and their providence comes from God. So, And of course, Jesus himself went on pilgrimage. And, you know, the, yeah, some of the absolutely. most important things that happened to him happened to him when he was on pilgrimage. You know, when he was, when his... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when um, his mother Mary and when Joseph were leaving with the caravan to go home, you know, they, they realized then that Jesus isn't with them and he's teaching in the temple. Well, what were they doing in Jerusalem in the first place? They were there on pilgrimage, you know. Mm. Uh, there were certain periods of time throughout the year when Jews, as you say, were expected to go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, one of which, of course, Passover. And it's mm. in the context of Passover that Jesus inaugurates his new covenant, which we're all expected to participate in. And it's in the context of Passover that he dies uh, and and is resurrected. Um, And what was he doing at that time? He was on pilgrimage. He was on pilgrimage. Yeah, and I suppose it's not just that he's on pilgrimage, but everyone has come to Jerusalem at that Mm -hmm. point. You know, everyone's journeyed in order to to come there and Jesus then institutes something or fulfills something at that feast. You know, think of like Pentecost. You have all these different nations that are there at at the the first, you know, uh, Pentecost, Christian Pentecost, when you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and they're speaking in all these different languages. Well, why are they speaking in those languages? Because all these different nations have come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks which is the the Jewish feast, which was instituted by by God. So you have this the, this sort of theme there in our pilgrimages as well as Christians. So we come together for this journey in order with this sort of expectation that we will be healed in some way or we will receive the, the Holy Spirit, we will receive this this intimate union with God, which is why we have those things like we, we pray along the way or we, we have times of adoration or mass. or you The journey itself, I think, is is a prayer, you know. And and what, what what's the purpose of Jesus going to, to Jerusalem? Well, it's a symbol, you know, it's a, it's, it's a symbol of a return to God, a return to the Lord. And he leads us down uh, on that way. You know, in one of the Gospels, it says Jesus then set his face resolutely towards Jerusalem. And it, it's sort of symbolizing, well, this is the moment of his passion. This is the climax where God fully reveals his love for us and that he incorporates us into uh, in his inner life through this through this new covenant. 
Um, but there's a sort of parallel there generally with life, isn't there? We're all throughout our life returning to the Lord, turning towards Jerusalem. So that journey towards Jerusalem then is symbolic of our journeying home towards being with the Lord, because that's where our true home is. As St. Therese of Lisieux reminds us, earth is thy bark and not thy home. Earth is thy ship, not thy home. And this, um, you, you, I remember the other day when we were talking about this, you pointed out to me that um, the church is sometimes called the Pilgrim Church, which is very true. Uh, in the Second Vatican Council in Unitatis, uh, read into Grazio, I think it talks about how the church is on a pilgrimage on earth. And in this, in as much as it's on this pilgrimage on earth, it's in need of continual reformation, I think, is what it says, which is always a need because institutions, of course, are made of human beings here on earth. And when we talk about reform in the church, especially early on, it talks about individual reform. And of course, all of these institutions and things and the mystical body of Christ is made of individual human beings reforming, reforming our lives and constantly turning to face resolutely towards Jerusalem, towards the Lord and walk along that path. I think it's quite interesting that a pilgrimage or our sort of pilgrimage or pilgrimages that happen in the in the Old Testament, uh, they sort of mirror the life of Jesus. I remember oh, you yeah. saying this, that in Jesus's life is an exodus and a reditus. You explain that. So exodus, um, exodus and reditus. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see this in, in, in St. Thomas's writings as well. It's a, an exodus is a going from or a going out of. Uh, and a reditus is a return to. So Christ himself, you could say, uh, is to, on pilgrimage to earth to some extent, right? So he leaves uh, the Father, right? So in the Gospel of John, we have that the Word was made flesh, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? So that the Word is divine, but the Word is not the Father. Jesus is divine, but Jesus is not the Father. And Jesus takes on flesh. Jesus becomes flesh for us and this is the exodus right this is the the exodus or or some people might talk about kenosis or a kenotic element which basically just means a self-emptying right so we we have god becoming man exodus and then we have the and then his life on earth then is this this reditus so if you imagine a sort of oval shape or an egg shape right coming down from the top point to the bottom is the exodus and going from the bottom bit to the top bit in a sort of curved motion is the reditus. And this is the sort of the life then of Christ. And that reditus is returning back to the Father, but not returning alone, right? He has the exodus and comes to us, showing us the way, the truth and the life that he is, showing us the way to the Father, as he says to, I think, Philip in the Gospel of John. And he brings us back to the Father through the events of his life and through our imitation of him and through our participation uh, in the covenant and through his, through, his, uh, through his grace and through his action. So you have that exodus or that going out from the Father to humanity, that journey to us, and then that reditus, that journey back to the Father that we, that we participate in and we return to the Father with him. So it strikes me that that is actually a little bit like a pilgrimage. So there's, there's sort of an, an image there of, well, the pilgrimage is an image of the life of Jesus. So we, in a sense, go out, we, we exit our 
life where we are right now in our job and in what we're experiencing we exit that in order to go to spend time with jesus to reorient our our lives Mm. uh, back to to god so we return then we return then to our lives being nourished reawakened right yeah they're absolutely yeah i mean reforming our lives uh spiritually turning resolutely again to towards the father i mean the christian life is a constant process of continual conversion isn't it you know that metanoia that change of heart that we're expected to have as christians that the gospel calls us to that the gospel calls all people to that change of heart and pilgrimage again sort of represents that and is it is a time put aside really it's a time put aside when i mean people are very busy and they have all sorts of things going on and sometimes it's easy to sort of get bogged down in our lives and to not give as much attention to our spiritual life and to our soul as we need to or as we should and pilgrimage then is a time to reinvigorate that going putting time aside special time aside being in a different place to reinvigorate your spiritual life to pay proper attention to your soul and to the conversion of life that you need and it'll help you to reevaluate maybe your priorities it can keep you nourished for a long time and you'll meet other people uh, who you'll become friends with for life who will hopefully help to reinvigorate your spiritual life when you then return home by keeping those friendships in contact and I, I suppose as well, it shows that we are actually a, a, a body and soul composite as well, because it's not just a physical walk, but it's also not just spiritual, it's, it's not just praying, but they, they come together. Yeah, there's the, the body and the soul, there's the physical and the spiritual that come together, which is also a, an image of Christ or a mirroring of Christ's life, who is human and divine. So it's a mirroring of, of Christ's life as well. And it's it's sort of the the physical is not something to be uh, squashed and put away to be diminished. It's actually it's it, it's being raised up. This is how you're thinking like a Dominican, Dan. Hey, I love it. I was waiting for you to come in and say this is a Saint Thomas Aquinas quote, but it's like body and soul composite. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Dominican Order when we were founded, we were founded to combat a heresy called Albigensianism, and the Albigensians thought that the physical was bad and that the spiritual was good and so then they'd wait until the end of their lives to be baptized and things like that and they thought that sex was evil because you were entrapping a soul and things like that and saint dominic came along and said well no you know the flesh can't be bad because god became flesh god redeemed flesh through the incarnation and so no the physical is good and the spiritual is good both are created and willed and loved into being by god uh, and you're quite right that pilgrimage has this physical aspect i definitely knew that by the way i definitely knew that albert johnson was about that <laughs> there is this physical this physical aspect right what are our bodies and where are we we're in space and we're in time we persons have bodies uh, i mean human persons have bodies and we occupy a space and we occupy a particular time and on pilgrimage we move into another space and the time that we have there is elevated and transformed by god's grace uh, so there is this physical element and this this spatial and this temporal element which is elevated and transformed by the spiritual element and the spiritual act that we are doing. And so I think that there is a, 
a very real physical dimension to this and also a very real spiritual dimension to this. And let's not forget that on many pilgrimages, people are not only spiritually healed, but physically healed too. So, and if you want to hear more about that, we've got a podcast uh, early on um, called Miracles Still Happen or Miracles Do Happen. And there we talk about some of the the modern day miracles that are happening still in Lourdes. We talk about some of the ancient ones, I think, as well. But we also talk about some that have happened in the past hundred years or so. And there are still some yet to be yet to be declared, which I know are being considered at the moment. So do go and check out that that. But no, you're quite right. There's a physical and a spiritual dimension to a pilgrimage. And I saw some point to say there is that you don't. The purpose of a pilgrimage is not to have a, a massive. A physical healing yeah you know sometimes these little physical healings happen but sometimes these spiritual healings happen and i think that's that's a, a really important point so it's union with god ha- isn't it? to have the purpose yeah the purpose behind a, a pilgrimage is to is to take that time and dedicate it to your journey with god so that you can be renewed and you you can find god then again in your everyday life and I think this I would really encourage anyone to to mm. make a pilgrimage just to spend a day even or a weekend uh, during the summer just just go to a local church or something I know it's maybe not something that that you mm. would recommend but especially though if you have questions right very often when people have questions uh, they can go on pilgrimage in search of the answer to their questions and I don't think that's a bad thing either if you have questions you know on your heart or or some anxiety or some pain or grief you go on going on pilgrimage i think is is a very good thing to do in those moments so yeah i mean with coronavirus and all the rest of it i mean it's quite difficult to go on pilgrimages at the moment but things are starting to open up again uh check for in your local diocese to see if there is a pilgrimage uh see if there is a pilgrimage somewhere uh some of our listeners from the states it might be easier for you to go to a local shrine or or the national shrine or the basilica of the immaculate conception or something or go and visiting the the tilma in mexico city of our lady of guadalupe but do think about making a pilgrimage and renewing your spiritual life and using this to, uh, as an opportunity to look at your yeah look, look at your spiritual life to conform your life more to the church and more to the lord um and take your grief take your questions take your anxieties and your uncertainties uh with you on the on this um on this pilgrimage and um you won't regret it um i think that's all we've got time for today so thank you for listening once again and yeah don't forget to like comment and, subs- and subscribe and to listen to our other episodes And thank you very much for joining us. God bless. God bless. See you next week.